Tumor gene editing may be the most promising treatment for cancer that we have seen in years. On today's episode, I detail how the first clinical trial in North America has so far three patients complete CRISPR gene editing therapy, and it appears safe and well-tolerated. What this means for the future of cancer treatment? Keep listening on to find out, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Listening to the People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I arm you with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. I'm recording today's episode in my new apartment, and I love my new apartment so much. I have a nice desk set up in front of my window facing the street so I can people watch as I record this episode. But for today, I am bringing you episode 36, where I am sharing some updated evidence on an exciting topic, and that is the use of CRISPR gene editing for cancer treatment in humans. Now, I covered the topic of CRISPR gene editing in episode 6 about 8 months ago, but today I am bringing you some exciting updates on CRISPR gene editing in clinical trials and how this is changing the future of cancer treatment. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. CRISPR gene editing is a newly discovered technique that can be used to edit our genetics. Now, our genetics are like the instruction manual of our body. It is a code that is read and makes us who we are. Our genetics determine, for example, the color of our eyes, the shape of our face, and more complex, our genetics may also impact our behavior and how we may respond to situations or how we may even respond to drugs such as nicotine, for example, which is something that I study in my lab. But CRISPR can edit this code. It can edit the genetics. And it's not as scary as it sounds, though. CRISPR gene editing actually naturally exists in our environment. It is not something that scientists created out of thin air. In fact, CRISPR gene editing is currently happening on our bodies right now. That is because many bacteria, such as Streptococcus pyogenes or Staphylococcus aureus, that are common bacteria, they use CRISPR gene editing as a way to protect themselves from invading viruses. In 2013, scientists started to use this natural mechanism as a way for us to edit specific genes. What I'm going to share with you today is some exciting science on how scientists are using this gene editing technique as a new cancer treatment that is currently being tested in humans living with cancer as we speak. What these scientists have done is essentially taken the patient's own blood cells 
and genetically altered them using CRISPR in order for the newly edited cells to seek out cancer cells, to kill those cancer cells, and then tell these edited cancer cells to kill themselves off when the job is done. In the next several years, we will have some solid results on whether or not this is safe and possibly effective as a new cancer treatment. Now, let's get into those details. So here's a little bit of background on CRISPR gene editing. If you haven't listened to episode 6 yet, or maybe you listened to that episode way back when it was published in March and you need a quick refresher. The reason why CRISPR has gained a lot of attention in the last few years is because this technique is the fastest and most efficient way to edit the genome that we have seen yet. We had technologies to edit genetics before, such as zinc finger nucleases and talin, but before it would take us maybe about a year, for example, to edit one gene. Now, in a couple of days, we can edit multiple genes with CRISPR. And CRISPR is also far more affordable than those older techniques as well. So CRISPR really has changed the field of genetics dramatically. And I would, as a result, say that gene therapy is the fastest growing area of therapeutic research right now. Really, what CRISPR has allowed us to do is to better understand our genetics. If you can believe it, there are still thousands of genes that we have no idea what they do even genes that we believe we have figured out, we are still learning new functions for them every day. Like, for example, in my lab this week, we're realizing, you know, the importance of different genes in the brain and specifically, you know, genes that are expressed in particular parts of the brain and what that means for behavior, psychology, and drug addiction. So as scientists, we now have a much easier time learning about the role of genetics in development, health, behavior, and disease. We also use CRISPR gene editing to better understand genetic diseases. For example, it is a gene mutation that causes cystic fibrosis. So we can replicate this specific mutation, for example, in cell culture in order to understand the disease better and to find better treatment strategies. I use CRISPR gene editing in my lab quite frequently. For example, I have changed the genetic sequence of different genes so we can understand the importance of these genes in addiction and mental health. But the topic of today's episode is specifically on the ability for us to use CRISPR gene editing in order to create gene therapies for cancer treatment, which is really the biggest growing area for CRISPR gene editing. Many published studies have looked at using CRISPR gene editing as a way to treat cancer in rodents, living with cancer, and have so far been very promising. For example, Ryan's Hagen in 2018 in the journal Science Translational Medicine detailed how they can take the cancer cells from a tumor in a mouse and genetically alter those tumor cells to seek out the cancer cells and to kill them. They put these genetically altered cells back in the mice, and these CRISPR-edited cells were able to travel to the tumors and the metastasized cancer cells, which is really important, and kill off a large percentage of the cancer. The fascinating thing is that after the edited cells did their job, with the injection of a compound called Gansiclovir, or abbreviated GCV, the edited cells will die. 
so that the edited cells do not remain in the body and there's not as much of a concern as the long-term impact of these edited cells remaining. But what the exciting update is that I wanted to share with all of you today is that a similar CRISPR gene editing technology is being put into humans as we speak. There is a phase one clinical trial currently underway at the University of Pennsylvania under the lead direction of Dr. Edward Statmauer. He is the section chief of hematologic malignancies. This trial is registered online at clinicaltrials.gov. So the details of this study design are available to the public here. This clinical trial aims to recruit only 18 patients that are currently undergoing treatment for specific cancers. Now, the types of cancers that they are looking for include multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of one's white blood cells, melanoma, which is skin cancer, synovial sarcoma, which is a rare cancer that affects the soft tissue of the body, such as the muscles and tendons, and round cell liposarcoma, which is a cancer of the fat tissue in the body. Now, the scientists started this study back in September of 2018, and they proposed to complete it by 2033. Yes, you heard me correctly, 2033. It takes an incredibly long time to investigate new treatments, and especially new treatments for cancer. The inclusion criteria for the right patient is very strict, and recruitment is often slow. And part of the reason is the Food and Drug Administration wants to be very careful and wants to make sure that none of these new treatments can put people at harm. But to put it into perspective, it has taken these investigators over a year to recruit and start the treatment for three patients, and their goal is to get 18 patients through the trial. Now, as a little side discussion, the FDA has very strict guidelines for clinical research, and there are several phases of clinical trials that a new treatment must go through before it can be regularly adopted into standard medical practice. The way the government has it set up, for new treatments to enter into standard medical care, it needs to go through three phases at least, or three types of clinical trials. Often new treatments need to be tested thoroughly in animals, and if any of the safety tests in animals fail, then the treatment is rejected and not allowed to be tested in humans at all. For a human study, there are three to four phases, as I said, and each phase must be completed before the next one can commence. So as you can see, even though tremendous progress has been made since CRISPR gene editing was first used to edit the genome in 2013, before it becomes standard practice, I think in my opinion, it will take at least another 20 plus years before we see it used as a standard in healthcare. But 20 years means that we will see it in our lifetime. So now let's jump back into the clinical trial details itself. Sarah Reardon in the journal Nature in 2016 wrote how this particular clinical trial led by Edward Statmauer is the first clinical trial to get the green light in North America to go ahead and test CRISPR gene editing in humans. The trial is privately funded by an immunotherapy foundation started by Facebook's former president, Sean Parker. They do estimate that this trial will cost millions and millions of dollars. Now let me break down what this team is trying to do in this clinical trial. The scientists are hoping to join two different techniques. One is CRISPR gene editing, but also another therapy called CAR-T cell therapy. 
The scientists are recruiting patients with different types of cancer. What they plan to do is take a blood sample from these patients, and they're going to isolate the T-cells from the blood. Now, you may be wondering, what are T-cells? Well, T-cells are also called T-lymphocytes. They are a type of white blood cell that is very important in our immune system response. What the scientists aim to do is genetically edit the immune response in order to attack and kill the patient's cancer cells. Now, using CRISPR, they are going to delete three genes on the T-cells. One CRISPR gene edit will be to insert a gene that will allow for the detection and targeting of the cancer cells. The second edit is to remove a gene that would normally interfere with this process. And the third edit will edit a gene on the T-cells that will prevent cancer cells from identifying them as immune cells, which will prevent the cancer cells from disabling them. Essentially, this edit will make the newly edited T-cells like quiet, secret assassins. More specifically for my scientists out there, the scientists will use a lentiviral vector to express NYESO1 and will electroporate the T-cells with the CRISPR guide RNA against TCR-alpha, TCR-beta, and PD-1. Now, currently, there are 12 clinical trials registered using a NYESO1 cancer vaccine, 23 using modified T-cells, and 13 using a combination of the immunotherapy. But only this one clinical trial is using CRISPR gene editing to enhance the effectiveness of this strategy by eliminating the natural roadblocks that exist on our T-cells. So this clinical trial is using CRISPR to essentially enhance and make this immunotherapy far more effective. It is important to note that this treatment will not be effective for all cancers. Based on how it targets and uses NYESO1, it will likely not be appropriate for solid tumor cancers. But other CRISPR-based treatments have worked very well for solid tumor cancers in animals, and are in the process of making their way to clinical trials as well. So CRISPR gene editing can be used in a multitude of ways in order to approach cancer treatment from different directions. Lejute in 2018 in the journal Blood detailed how the natural TCRs present on our T-cells will interfere with the ability for edited T-cells to target cancer cells. So CRISPR in this clinical trial will allow for the ability to delete these so-called roadblocks on our T-cells so that these edited T-cells can now be far more effective and as anti-cancer therapies. The update that has hit the news a bit this week is Dr. Stadmauer and his team have tested this therapy in three patients with cancer so far. So far, the first infusion of the patient's edited cells appears to be safe, which really is the biggest hurdle. No adverse effects have yet to be seen. They observed that the edited cells expanded and survived in all three participants, which is also great news. They have yet to see any improvement in their cancer cell growth, but it is still very early in the treatment process. In the meantime, the scientists are recruiting more participants and will follow up with the patients for safety and to see if the gene editing can effectively eliminate the cancer cells. The fact that the treatment is well tolerated and appears safe in three patients is in itself very substantial. Just for new therapies to be approved to be taken to humans is a long, tedious process that often does not pass regulatory standards. 
If in animals there are acute negative health effects, then it never makes it to humans, which makes sense. But then even when clinical trials make it to the first phase, there are a lot of therapies that can fail the safety test too. So right now, considering this is the most promising CRISPR clinical trial to be run in North America, and so far it appears safe, this is very substantial. This trial essentially will lay the precedent that more CRISPR clinical trials can be approved for phase one testing. Now, the scientists are continuing to follow up with the three patients to see if the therapy improves their health and helps put them into remission, meaning if this CRISPR gene editing therapy can stop the cancer from growing and if it can help eliminate the cancer. It is a long road ahead to investigate the safety and efficacy of CRISPR for cancer therapy, but right now it appears promising And honestly, this trial has laid down the foundation for CRISPR to be tested more often in humans as a gene therapy for cancer. I think, in my opinion, it is our most promising technique for cancer treatment that we have seen in a long time. And I hope that we will see this become an effective treatment in the near future. So that is a wrap, my People Scientist Army, on the latest update on CRISPR gene editing for a treatment in cancer therapy. If you haven't listened to episode 6 yet, go back and give it a listen because there I give a better background on CRISPR gene editing and how it is being used today, the limitations, and the ethical debate around it. But in truth, the most promising area for CRISPR gene editing right now is as a cancer therapy. So far, the first clinical trial in North America in patients living with cancer, it appears to be a specific approach and that the CRISPR gene editing therapy is safe and well-tolerated so far. We will see as the next patients enroll and are treated what the outcomes are like. You can bet that I will update all of you on my social media platforms of any updates on these clinical trials. So if you aren't already following me on social media, then make sure to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and you can find all of my handles in the description box below. I have some exciting topics and interviews with expert scientists lined up in the near future that I really cannot wait for all of you to listen in on. I hope you all have a super healthy week, and you can meet me back here the same time and the same place next week, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.